We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, a weekly faith-filled podcast that aims to inspire and encourage you on your walk with Christ. Each episode is designed to explore different aspects of Christianity, from biblical teachings to personal testimonies, to help you deepen your understanding and relationship with God. Whether you're a new believer or a seasoned Christian, our podcast is a place where you can feel supported, challenged, and empowered. So join us every Friday as we delve into the Word of God and share stories of faith, hope, and love. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm excited to record another episode, and I'm here with my co-host, Brother Brandon. Brother Brandon, it's a pleasure to record something with you again, so go ahead and introduce yourself and the topic at hand this episode. All right, yeah, it's good to be recording another episode with you as well, and uh for this episode, we're going to be looking at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, and talking about the virtue that we love the most, which mm-hmm. is patience. Yeah. And I hope you can tell that I have a lot of sarcasm in my voice. <laughs> Starts with patience and ends with patience, right? Yeah. That's, it's a tough one. You know, it's it's the hardest virtue to cultivate. Mm-hmm. And I think because it requires us to wait and waiting is just one of those things we don't want to do in today's world. Right. But you know, the Lord calls us to wait and to wait patiently, especially when it is hardest to do so, mm-hmm. namely in times of pain and trial. That's why we've titled today's episode, Patience in Pain. That's what we see James talking about in verses 7 through 11. He calls us to be patient as we're going through times of suffering and to wait on the Lord. Now, we're going to go ahead and dive right in here and, first of all, read verse 7 and explain it a little bit. So here's James chapter 5, verse 7. James says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So, James commands us to exercise the virtue that is most painstaking to possess in painful times, which we already defined earlier was patience. He simply says, be patient. Now, what is patience exactly? That's a question we need to ask because we need to get a working definition here since the whole passage revolves around this word patience. Well, patience in this context is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. So we're tolerating something, we're waiting on something, we're going through a time of suffering and tribulation, without getting frustrated or angry or agitated. That's basically Mm -hmm. what patience is. Um, It is waiting humbly and hopefully on the Lord God in a trying time of trial. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're kind of used to the opposite of patience, of course, um, because it's, um, again, a very hard virtue for us to cultivate. Because, you know, a lot of times um, when we're praying for something, just to give a real life example, we're 
praying for something and it just seems like God is uh, taking his sweet time, you know, and answering our prayer mm-hmm. or we're going through a tumultuous adversity and it seems like the deliverance from that trouble is just taking forever. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need to be patient. We need to be yeah. patient as God is answering our prayers in his time and as he is granting us deliverance according to his timetable by his divine providence. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, again, when we're to exercise this patience, that's why he says to be patient in suffering, as he uses that term many times throughout this passage. Yeah. Now, Chris, why do you think it's so difficult for us to be patient in a time of suffering? Well, I, I think it's, it's a very simple answer to that, is that we like feeling good. Uh, we, we live in a society now that you... First off, don't have to wait on anything, right? For the most part, now, now where I live, you do. It's it's about <laughs> twenty years behind everything. Yeah, uh, right. Maybe a hundred years, I don't know. But <laughs> ultimately, we we live in a society at the touch of a button. You can you can find comfort, and at the touch of a button, you can relax, and and so we're so used to comfort that's quick and easily mm-hmm. accessible. So. We, we like this feeling of always feeling good, always looking right. for something that's going to make us feel good. And it seems like there's just all these good times we can have. And, and so uh, that's why it's hard to go through suffering. And, you know, when, when you think about society, how it's progressed, you know, like how the hard times make tough men, tough men make good times, good times Mm -hmm. make, you know, soft men and and weak men and weak men make tough times. Right. Yeah. You know, you get the circle that goes around and and we don't like to suffer, but it kind of, when we seek that way out of suffering, we kind of create this loop of, of continuing to suffer in this yeah. world. So that's something that's always going to happen in this world is suffering. And we don't like it because we like the good times, but it's important. Yeah. I think that we're going to see through this, that this life is very short and, and we're mm-hmm. going to have a good time. It's just not promised here in this life, but to those that believe in Christ have put their faith in him, they'll experience an eternity of good times. Yeah, right, to say the least. Right. Yeah, it kind of goes against our natural tendency to be patient oh, when yeah. we're suffering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, we live in a, a society that's progressed quite a bit. It's mm-hmm. an instantaneous society. I mean, right. the most we wait, except again for you, because you live in Mayberry <laughs> off the Andy Griffith show, uh, <laughs> the most we usually wait is... Uh, Two days on an Amazon package. Who would have ever envisioned having mm-hmm. a package delivered to their house in two days? I mean, remember people, I don't remember this. I know of this. This was before our time, but people used to get what, like those Sears magazines and, and, or catalogs and oh, they yeah. order stuff off of it and like wait for a train to bring it by like three months later. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. you didn't actually pay them and they didn't know if they were going to get paid. A lot of scams happened in that. That was, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was up in the air too. Um, but times have changed. You know, we right. are just, we're in the generation of the microwave and the smartphone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we're not used to waiting, so we don't want to exercise patience in anything, especially not in a time of suffering. And as you said really well, it's our tendency to seek comfort as well, mm-hmm. you know, to avoid the hard road and take the easy road. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, the, the matter of it is sometimes by God's providence, we're placed on the hard road of mm-hmm. suffering and we want to get out immediately. We desire escape. We want to mm-hmm. get off that hard road. We want the trial to be over before it even starts. Yeah. And James is telling us during that time of trial, we need to be patient. But mm-hmm. one day, this hard and narrow road we're on will actually lead to everlasting life. Right. And our trials will eventually be over. And yeah. we'll step into those good times, as you said, but it'll be um, in, the, uh, in eternity with Jesus Christ. And that's why he points us to the coming of Christ in verse 7. He says, be patient, therefore, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient until Christ comes. Uh, Until then, when Christ comes, we must uh, exercise this waiting and patience in our suffering. Mm -hmm. Now, Chris, why do you think James takes us to the future here to give us Mm -hmm. hope in the presence? Why why do you think... um, he takes us to the second coming of Christ to give us hope in our sufferings in this life. I think it's like talking to a runner, someone that does long distance running. Uh, what, what gives them the motivation to get through that race? If, if the race is just ongoing, 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 complete suffering, complete suffering, complete mm-hmm. suffering, do you think there's going to be very many people that want to do those long distance races? No. They, they like the feeling of the end of the race where they've achieved yeah. the goal, where they've won the prize. And Paul talks about that quite often, about a, a person that is competing in a sports event and they're competing to win. They're competing for a prize. And so, you know, this this is kind of the the hopeful part that James is, is bringing up to look to the end. And that's how we make it through suffering. That's what right. gives us strength that we know that there is one day an end to suffering and that we'll have an eternity of complete peace and joy in Christ. Amen. Yeah, we can we can run this race with endurance, like the mm-hmm. writer of Hebrews says, when we keep our eyes on the founder and perfecter of our faith, Jesus mm-hmm. the Lord. And the thing about it is, as, as you brought out in that illustration, we're more encouraged to run this race when we see the finish line. Yeah. And Christ at his second coming in a way will be waiting for us at mm-hmm. that finish line. Yeah. And, uh, he, one of these days he's coming to make the whole world new and to judge sin and reward the godly. And when we keep that in mind, when we keep looking up to that grand event, we can be more patient in our suffering because we know this suffering is not going to go on forever. Mm-hmm. Now, we may ask in light of all this, since we've talked about patience a lot, what does it really look like in a time of trial and trouble? Is there an example that we can point to and, and say, that's what patience looks like, so I'm going to imitate it? Well, James actually gives us an example of patience in verse 7 from the natural world, specifically from the soil of earth and how farmers cultivate it with patience. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Mm -hmm. Well, we know something about farmers in our part of the United States. 
Um, and you can talk to any of them and they'll tell you that they can just plant the seed and wait. Right. They can't really hurry the growth process. Right. Now you can put a lot of uh, chemicals out there in the fields that are going to aid the process a little bit, but you really can't hurry it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't control the weather. You can't change the seasons to one that's more favorable for cultivation and growth. All these farmers can do is plant the seed and wait till it grows. Right. Patience is really the one virtue they must have. And when the time is right, when the season for harvest has come, those crops will grow to full maturity and fruit is born. Mm-hmm. And James is saying, in our time of trouble and on our suffering, we need to adopt the same kind of attitude and exercise the same kind of patience. Now, that can be tough because we may be living our lives right now and it seems like a wasteland, mm-hmm. just a barren field that's not bearing any fruit or crops. Maybe a dry place that hasn't seen the rain of God's blessing for quite some time. But the matter of it is, we just have to wait. God yeah. is cultivating good fruit in our trials and tribulations, and we just have to wait for it to be brought to full maturity. Mm-hmm. In fact, that fruit is something we talked about a long time ago when we looked at James chapter 1, right. where he said that our trials are meant for the testing of our faith. Mm-hmm. They are uh, a thing that we go through in order for our faith to be refined and be made stronger. That's the fruit that right. God is cultivating in our time of trial, a more precious and deeper, stronger faith. Yes. And uh, sometimes we have to wait on that to be brought to maturity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, James also, uh, again, in talking about the coming of the Lord here, tells us that when it comes to harvesting, Jesus will come back at his second coming to do his own harvest, Mm -hmm. to harvest the earth at the right time when it is his time to return. And that's something that James tells us about in verses 8 through 9. And Brother Chris, why don't you uh, read those verses and expound on those a little bit for us? Yeah, and I'll uh, add to that too. Patience isn't knowing when when God is going to bring us home, is it knowing when Jesus's second coming is, it's knowing that it just will happen Mm, and it'll happen in his time. And I I think second Peter chapter three, verse eight through 10 is, is a good passage to look at there because we, we see this understanding of God's timing mm-hmm. once more where Peter says, but do not overlook this one fact beloved that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you. So there's God being patient. Mm, yeah. And he's being patient toward us. The reason that there's not a second coming is because, you know, there's some people that need to repent because that's what he says. Next, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And so really that last part is that that hope, that finish line that we're looking towards. It's going to happen. All of this is going to come to fruition. 
and patience is just knowing that God is going to do it, but not knowing when. Mm, and so yeah. we continue on in verse eight through nine, uh, where, where James writes this, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And it hmm. sounds, you know, typical for what we see throughout the scriptures that every day brings us a day closer. Uh, and, and really, when it comes down to it, people have been preaching the end times for thousands of years now. And every preacher that has preached the end times has been correct because not all the time, but in the idea that we are in the end times, they're correct. Yeah, right. You know, because when Jesus ascended to heaven, the end times began. That's right. That yeah, is the, last that is the beginning. Yep. And, and, yep. and we're in this, this final period of time. And when Jesus returns, that's the culmination of the end times. So, yeah, he's he's standing at the door. The time is is near. And really, when we look back at what Peter wrote in Second Peter chapter three that we read just there, is that God's timing is different. A day is a thousand years. A thousand years is a day. We can't even begin to to comprehend mm. that. But but we we need to be patient and establish our hearts, prepare for this because. The coming of the Lord is at hand. It's it's getting nearer every day. Every moment is another step closer. And even if we don't see it in the flesh, every day is a day closer to our end here in this world. That's true. Uh, and so as we're preparing for this, James says, don't grumble against one another. Brothers, mm -hmm. specifically brothers, don't grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And I remember what we read in the previous chapter in James chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. So this is obviously something important that James wants to give to us here. He says, don't speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against the brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He, he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? And so it's, it's very important to not grumble against one another because if we're in these end days, we have a very important mission and we need to be united in that. And yeah. we can't be united if we're constantly bickering. And in fact, my brother Brandon and I, we talk about this quite often. You know, brother Brandon and I, we have some differences of opinions and stuff. But <laughs> we we come to this conclusion that we, we love Jesus. He's the son of God. He died for our sins and he rose from the grave on the third day and he's coming back for us. And, and that's the strongest unity we can have right there. And our unity starts there. And it carries us through even some of our, our opinions and our differences. And when Brother Rob jumps back on here, we have differences too. We don't always air these out on the air. Maybe we should do that one day and just see how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> A triple brawl. <laughs> but we're united 
in one understanding that yeah. we are going to preach the gospel to the day that we die. We don't have time to to grumble about each other and and to bring each other down because then that takes away from the mission at hand. So it's very important not to do that. We're in the last days. We need to be prepared for it. And the best way to prepare for it is to be united as the church, to go out to this lost and dying world, preach the gospel so that we can have more brothers and sisters, so that we can decrease the population of hell and increase the population of heaven. So, yeah, that's really well said. Yeah. So do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, you, you you brought out how the coming of the Lord is just nearer and nearer and how mm-hmm. there's been many end time preachers through church history who've, you know, been different in what they believe and have been proponents of different eschatologies, but if they all said the second coming of Christ is near, they were all right. Right, yeah. And with every passing generation, in fact, every passing hour, we come closer to our Lord's return. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that James even uh, implies that with all certainty in verse 8, where he says the coming of the Lord is at hand. And that means it is within reach. It's at hand. You can almost reach out and and uh, and almost you know touch his second coming just about. Um, and that's kind of what uh, Jesus was uh, saying in Mark chapter 1 when he first came to the earth. Um, do you remember the first message he ever preached? It was in Mark 1, 14 through 15, where he said, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, in what sense was the kingdom of God at hand? Well, the king was there. Right. The king of the kingdom. He's saying, it's so close. It's here because I'm here. Mm-hmm. And his second coming is within reach. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean we can predict with any level of certainty when it's going to be. Right. As could be said, another thousand years. <laughs> it could be, as you pointed out, with God's timing. Yeah. Um, but uh, we do know with all certainty he is coming, and he's going to bring an end mm-hmm. to our sufferings, and every day brings him closer. Mm-hmm. And again, we we really aren't talking about you know divisions among eschatology and end times beliefs here. We we do need to remind ourselves that James is talking about the second coming of the Lord in the context of these trials and tribulations, mm-hmm. and that's what is again meant to give us courage and meant to give us hope. Um, for example, we know from Revelation chapter twenty one that when Christ comes and He judges all men and ushers in a new heaven and new earth. We're going to be in a place free of all Mm -hmm. suffering and pain. Um, It's amazing. Uh, Revelation 21, 4 says this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's talking about believers. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, those former things in that day are present things in our day. But they'll be former things when Christ comes to bring in a new heavens and new earth. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we need to be firm. That's why he says, establish your hearts. Don't, don't waver. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't falter. Don't flounder. Fix all your hope on this future reality. Right. And furthermore, he 
says, as you pointed out, don't grumble against one another. And certainly one thing he's saying is, as you said, we don't have time, you know, quite frankly. We don't have time to grumble against one another and engage in division, slander, internal strife, and all that mm-hmm. when Christ is near yeah. to coming back to uh, judge the ungodly. Mm-hmm. We need to be preparing the ungodly uh, by preaching the gospel to them so they can repent, trust in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing also we do need to keep in mind is, you know, he says, don't grumble against one another so that you may not be judged because the judge is coming back. Mm-hmm. In fact, the judge is standing at the door. Right. And so he's also warning us. He's saying, not only do you not have time to grumble, but you will have to give an account for that, mm-hmm. for having wasted your time engaging in these, uh, in this division, this slander and such. Right. And we also need to remind ourselves that if we are experiencing suffering because of, you know, these circumstances of church division, slander, gossip, or internal strife, Christ will come to judge such persons. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to. Right. He will bring relief even to that. Um, mm-hmm. He's not only going to reward us when he comes back, he's not only going to bring us eternal relief, but he will bring recompense. He will bring recompense to those who may have caused our suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could even be a believer in this circumstance. But again, James just encourages us so much here in saying that Christ is near to coming back. And that's what he means by this expression, the judge is standing at the door. So he's, he's ready. He's standing at the door waiting to come back. He's simply waiting on that divine command from his father to return and uh, bring judgment to the ungodly and reward to the righteous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, lastly, um, as we talk about being encouraged in our suffering and, and uh, how we're encouraged to be patient in our suffering, James takes us to some examples in the scripture uh, to encourage us to follow their example. You'll notice, first of all, in verse 10, he talks about the, patience of the prophets in the scripture. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And then in verse 11, he talks about Job, who was one of the greatest examples of patience. He says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Yeah. Now, this is pretty important here that James is taking us to examples in the Scripture to encourage us to be patient like these biblical characters. Um, even Paul said that this is one of the purposes for those stories existing. Mm-hmm. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, he tells us this that these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And so James and Paul are in agreement here that these stories Mm -hmm. in the word of God are for our own encouragement. Mm -hmm. But Chris, how, how does that work exactly? How do the scriptures and these stories about biblical characters provide us with encouragement in our own suffering? 
Well, we, we like to put some of these people that we read about in Scripture on this pedestal, like everything was perfect and they're perfect yeah. and nothing ever went wrong. But when you really dive into Scripture, I, I don't know if this is a bad way to put it, but life was just crappy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and, it was. And, and And that makes me feel better because I look at it and I think, man, I'm not the only one going through this, you know, and and, you know, Paul has brought that up before, you know, knowing that our, our brothers and sisters in Christ have endured sufferings as well, that we're not the only ones enduring suffering, but we, we look in the scripture and we see so many people that, that are going through the ringer that are going through tough times. Mm -hmm. One I've been thinking about this whole time as we've been reading is, is Daniel, Daniel and his friends, you know, they were, they were taken captive of, at a young age. They were being indoctrinated into the Babylonian culture and, and they went through these trials and they went through these sufferings, but it was for the better, you know, it was, it was making them stronger. It was going to lead the people of Judah back home eventually Mm-hmm. And and so I I like looking at Daniel as an example. I know Job's a great example there, but Daniel was pretty patient. He lived his whole life in Babylon, his whole life in Babylon, uh, and and probably thinking of home, wishing he could be home. Right. But God yeah. provided a way because he was patient. He endured suffering. He was tossed in a lion's den. Uh, he, you know, he went, he went through a whole lot of things. His friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were tossed in a fiery furnace, but God always provided. Just think of the level of stress that they had to be going through mm, during yeah. some of those events. But then as they realized that God had their back, how all that stress just kind of left and, and they were left with peace. And so that's a good encouragement to me that, you know, no one's throwing me in a fiery furnace right now. No one's throwing me in a lion's den, mm-hmm. uh, and so, so I feel I feel encouraged by that. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, you know, and and the thing about it is, as you kind of alluded to, is there are so many biblical characters in God's Word um, in the Old and New Testament, mm-hmm. and there's at least one we can identify with <laughs> out of that whole uh, list of biblical characters. Mm-hmm. Um, each one of them experienced all of the range of human emotions, human mm-hmm. emotions that you can experience. Right. Even David by himself in the book of Psalms expressed pretty much every emotion on the human spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was times when he was depressed, when he was angry, when mm-hmm. he was frustrated, when he was afraid and when he was joyful and looking forward to the future and so we can find a lot of hope from these stories because they are people just like us. Right. Sinners, imperfect. Mm-hmm. Their faith at times was weak and not strong, and, and that's the way we are a lot of times. Right. Exactly. And that's sort of what James is pointing us to here, especially when he says to consider the prophets and to consider Job. Now let's think about the prophets for just a moment, just a few who endured suffering. Maybe Jeremiah, Elijah, or as you mentioned, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeremiah, you know, he was called at a very young age to uh, preach to the Israelites. And, you know, he protested that he was too young to do that. And 
God told him that he would give him the words to say. And so he kind of starts this journey as a young prophet with glee and great expectations. And Mm -hmm. throughout the entirety of the book of Jeremiah, nobody believes his message. Right. I mean, can you imagine how hard that must have been for all those years trying to warn the Israelites about judgment Mm -hmm. and not one of them believed him. And so that's the kind of suffering he went through. He tried to preach to the best of his ability and saw very little fruit. Mm -hmm. Elijah, he was in a similar situation. He felt like he was a a loner in righteousness. Mm -hmm. He felt like he was the only righteous person left and -hmm. that he was all alone. Daniel, similarly, was persecuted for his faithfulness to the Lord. Mm -hmm. But what all these characters have in common, as we've already seen, is that they all endured patiently. Mm-hmm. They weren't perfect. They had their flaws and whatnot, but they all waited patiently with expectation and hope in the Lord God that he was faithful and he was going to work all things together for their good. And of course, the person who endured the most suffering in the scripture apart from Jesus was Job of old. Yeah. And that's why James ends this passage by pointing us to Job. I mean, he really went through it, didn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, he lost everything in one day. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really where I think the expression, when it rains, it pours, comes from. Right. Because for Job, it was just suffering stacked on top of suffering. Mm -hmm. He was told about his wealth. And while he was being told about his wealth being gone, another messenger comes while he's still processing all this and tells him that his family had been killed, much Mm -hmm. of his family. And while he's dealing with this, trying to process it, uh, he has physical uh, ailments that break out on him. And, And we see through the whole book of Job that while he does express some flaws here and there, for the most part, he just waited. Yeah. He just waited and he was patient and he trusted in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing about Job, of course, is uh, at the very end of the story, Job gets everything back and much more. Right. God restored all of his prosperity and his health, and it's a classic uh, story with a happy ending. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think we need to remind ourselves that our story might not end that way. Yeah. The great treasure that we have at the end of our suffering may just be stronger faith. Mm -hmm. God might not restore our health. He might not restore our wealth or whatever's going on in our family lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why James ends verse 11 by saying, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we can rely on. You know, we don't know how God is going to work all things out for our good. We know he's going to, but we don't know if he's going to restore our prosperity like he did for Job. Right. But we do know that he is compassionate for us. He loves us. He is an unchanging God who never fails. Mm -hmm. That's what Job could rely on. That's what we can rely on as well. Yeah. And and really when we look at it, this, this compassion and this mercy that God had on these prophets that we speak about, and even on Job, it, the the greater understanding of that is is his compassion on us, his mercy on us in a spiritual 
way rather than mm-hmm. a, a physical way because we see all these these different people and, and for job for example here everything was taken away but everything was given back and then some more and and we're looking at a physical thing there you know he was given you know his wealth back he was given right you know his his stuff his material possessions back but the the lord is compassionate and merciful whether we're healed here in the flesh whether we prosper here in the flesh or we don't because he has given us something far more valuable than silver or gold he's given us salvation in jesus christ our lord right and, and that is you know, the, the pinnacle of his compassion and his mercy that he gave us something that we don't deserve, something that we couldn't earn. And that gives me hope to go through the day, man. When I don't know if you can attest to this brother Brandon or not, but being a pastor, sometimes it's pretty, pretty difficult. Yeah. (laughs) And, And there's times that, you know, like, you just want to throw in the towel or someone complains about something. And I'm not talking about like necessarily right now, but you know, throughout the ministry, someone's Mm -hmm. going to complain sometime somewhere. And then sometimes it's just a load of mess that that's not even worth complaining about talking about or focusing on. But there's days where I just want to throw in the towel. And then I think about it. I'm like, man, you know, Jesus has had so much compassion and mercy on me. He has had so much patience with me. Why can't I do the same? Why can't I have a little bit of patience? Yeah. Why can't I have a little bit of compassion mm-hmm. and mercy here in this world? And so ultimately, as you're saying, Brother Brandon, he might not give you good health. He might not give you great possessions here in this world, but what he has given you is even greater than that. When you put your faith in Jesus, he gives you everlasting life in him. And that is compassion. That's mercy. Amen. Amen. It reminds me of uh, first Peter five, four, where Peter says, when the chief shepherd appears, this is instructions to pastors. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's amazing as we try to be shepherds, Christ is the chief shepherd and he takes care of our souls as he does every believer in this life. But there's an even greater reward awaiting us in the next. And we have to wait on it though. That's the, that's the part of awaiting. We have to be awaiting (laughs) that reward. Yeah. Um, We have to wait until he appears and then we will receive that unfading crown of glory which will be the epitome of our Lord's compassion on us, that he would reward us with rest and everlasting life at the end of this arduous journey. Yes. Yes. Amen. Well, I think that really wraps this whole episode up. Yeah. Let's uh, have a word of prayer then and give thanks to the Lord and and pray that he will cultivate patience within us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Father, we thank you again for your word before us today. We thank you for these practical instructions on patience. And we just pray, Lord, that you might help us to cultivate patience in our hearts and to express it in a time of trial. And we pray that you might continue to remind us of our blessed hope, namely the appearing of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. 
as he comes to bring us home and bring an end to all of our earthly suffering. And uh, Father, we pray also that as we continue to read the scriptures and study them, that we might be encouraged by the many examples that are given to us, that we might imitate these models of patience and exercise a similar type of uh, expectant hope and waiting in our own time of trouble. We pray that you might bless all of our listeners and uh, be with them this week and help them to live faithfully for Jesus. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.